0: and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support.
1: Much love. Thank you.
0: Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus.
1: I'm in a period of emotional people.
0: It's all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going?
1: I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia.
0: Let's do it. it goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Way rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under
1: 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Rose Podcast. You know that saying, comparison is the thief of joy and that's true on so many levels you know when you consider the data when people go on things like instagram or facebook that they're left feeling worse about themselves and so that really speaks to when we start to create expectations about ourselves or our own life and compare them to someone else's we are instantly in a state of suffering we're instantly in a state of pain we're instantly thinking oh, well, I should be here by this time in my life, or I should have this because they have that. I mean, it's such a trap, isn't it? Because we have these lives, we're supposed to live in timelines that we're given uh, that are really expectations of culture and society. And if if your life doesn't look like that, then you're outside the norm. And I'm starting to discover that being outside the norm is actually a great thing, (laughs) you know. If normal means not expressing oneself, not standing one's truth, then why would we want to be normal? You know? And so on the show today, I have the best-selling author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, and self-love teacher, Melissa Ambrosini. And I'm so excited to chat with her about this subject, about this idea of comparison, uh, as she calls it, comparisonitis, which is the title of her new book. Without further ado, here she is. Hello and welcome. I am blessed to have Melissa Ambrosini on the podcast today with your third book, Teed Up. This is pretty exciting times.
1: It is so exciting. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be here. And I just love every any time that we get to connect.
0: First off, thank you for being here. That's really important to me that you get to share what I think is probably an epidemic in a lot of ways. You know, the I just watched recently that documentary, I think it was called Fake Famous. I'm not sure if you've heard about it. Have you Have you seen it over there?
1: No, I haven't seen it.
0: It just came out and it's about influencer culture and about sort of the pressures and how so much that you can build a fake basically persona, fake profiles, fake everything, and build fame and wealth. And I think we get so caught in that trap of comparison, regardless of whether there was social media. That's a pre-social media problem. But I think it's just been turned up so much with social media that I was so excited to have you on when I saw your new title and what you're exploring. So if you can tell us the exact full title so we can get it like, okay, what are we about to learn about? And I honestly couldn't, I don't think that there could be a more topical time. So thank you.
1: Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So it's called Comparisonitis, how to stop comparing yourself to others and be genuinely happy, which I think mm-hmm. is what everyone wants
0: it seems to be what we all want and there seems to be this correlation of like at least in that influencer world that social media sort of world that being genuinely happy as opposed to giving the highlight reel of what of what that what what happy should look like versus what actually embodying happiness is so what is comparisonitis because i'm sort of like given some sort of Cole's notes to it but i'm curious what is it
1: Yeah. So comparisonitis is when we compare ourselves to someone else and in a toxic way, and we make mean something unhealthy about ourselves. So there is healthy comparison. And then there's unhealthy comparison. And we as a culture have really amped up this unhealthy comparison due to social media and things like that. We're getting phones a lot younger than when our generation got phones. You yeah, know?
0: definitely. I didn't even have a choice. I had to get no. one on my own at 18 <laughs> or 19.
1: Exactly. You know, I can't even remember the first time I got my the first smartphone. I was definitely in my early 20s when I got my oh, first
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Where they're getting them at like five years old like
0: there's so many things wrong with that but that's <laughs> let's stay. we'll go into the pediatric recommendations for digital devices not five okay everyone yeah.
1: seriously it's it is wild and I know for myself, you know every time I write a book it's really what I'm going through you know it's mm-hmm. it's for myself and I've experienced this and I noticed just how much. I was comparing myself and what that was doing to my mental health. And I looked at the data. I looked at the research, what this culture that we now live in is doing to our mental health, depression, anxiety, suicide, panic attacks, eating disorders. They've all just gone through the roof in the last five to 10 years. And there's no mistake that, you know, the usage of our devices has also gone up. So Mm -hmm. I really wanted to look at, and I really wanted to highlight it because for me, I believe that everyone Is so beautiful and so unique and so magical. There is one in four hundred trillion chances that we were born that our mom and our dad got together and their sperm and egg got together and created us one in 400 trillion. Mm. And for me, that just blows my mind. So we're here for a reason. Each and every single one of us is here for a reason. And we are magical beings, every single person. I'm currently pregnant with my first baby girl. And every, every single day, I'm just like looking down at my belly, And I'm in awe of what my body is doing. I've got full goosebumps. My body is doing and creating, and I'm just so excited to birth her into the world. And I think about what a miracle that was. And for anyone who follows my podcast will know it took us 18 months for her to finally land in in my body. And so every day I'm just like, this is a miracle, this is a miracle, this is a miracle. And what I've seen is we have really forgotten that. We have really forgotten how magical we really are. And we are constantly comparing ourselves to other people in a very, very toxic way to their highlight reel, which is what you mentioned before. And it is detrimental to our mental health, our physical health. And we have to look at it and we have to look at it now. And if we don't look at it, we're going to pass these habits on down to our children and our children's children. And it's not going to be good for us. And so, like I mentioned before, there is a healthy comparison. For example, say you're running on the treadmill at the gym and someone jumps on the treadmill next to you and they up the incline and up the speed. You
0: bastard.
1: Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, it inspires you to kind of run a bit faster and go. And then you, you finish your training and you're like, wow, look what I achieved. And I pushed myself a little bit and I'm really proud of myself. That's like a healthy comparison. An unhealthy comparison is they jump on and, they're going faster and harder on a higher incline. And that self-talk, what I call your inner mean girl starts going off. You're so unfit. You are fat. You are a piece of crap. Look at you. You can't even do what they're doing. And then you make that mean something about you in a very unhealthy way. So that is toxic comparisonitis. And we need to look at Where we're doing this in our life, whether it's social media or whether it's with a colleague at work or your friends who are getting married and having babies or whatever it is, we need to shine light on this because more and more people are on anti anxiety and (laughs) antidepressants. And like I said before, like the suicide rates are just going through the roof.
0: Yeah, I saw actually on that show, Fake Famous, one of the carrot guys. Essentially, the premise of it is taking three quote unquote regular people and making them famous by like buying bots and likes and all the things, and like creating this buzz around them, getting them professional pictures, all that kind of stuff. And one of them, as the sort of fakeness is being turned up, he says, He's driving in the car and he lives, I think, in LA. And he says, Well, you know, I'm. I, I'm on anti-anxiety meds, but, you know, everybody is. You know, that he sort of flow, throws it out like it's normalized that we should be on these things. And I think that's what's so fascinating about our world is we are prescribed or pulled to have this or we use things that numb us from our environment rather than changing our interaction and our relationship with our environment. Like, I need to take this thing to not have this feeling as opposed to what is this feeling telling me? And when I look at when I hear what you're talking about, thinking like, okay, well, how does this show up in our social media, in our, in our influencer culture? Like, what is that? How do I know I'm suffering from it? Do you know what I mean? Other than, you know, as you said, like maybe on an anti-anxiety med or something like that, but like, how is it driving my behaviors and what would that look like?
1: From, for like day to day, there could be like a compulsion to check social media, like feeling like a lack of self-worth. Or that toxic self-talk, you know, on a Mm. daily basis. Like if that's really loud, also like that feeling of like stuckness or maybe you're feeling really stuck, like, oh, you know, I don't know what the next step is or feeling behind is another big one feeling behind. Like like,
0: you're behind other people or, or where you should be.
1: Yes. So like, Mm. oh, everyone's getting married or everyone's having babies or everyone's getting promotions or everyone's doing this, like that feeling of I'm behind is like a good indicator that you might be suffering from comparisonitis.
0: That would be a common one for so many people. I think in terms of like where my life is at, I should have a real job. I should, uh, you know, be married. As you said, I should be having kids. So much shitting on ourselves.
1: Absolutely. If you are shooting all over the place, then that that could be a sign that you might be suffering from some comparisonitis at the moment. And I think we have to look at our compulsion and our addictions to social media. And I don't like, I mean, I'm not talking about social media the whole way through the book, like influencer culture and social media are just a chapter in the book. And Mm -hmm. the book is really about deep, deep self-love and getting to that place of like unconditional self-love. Because when you have that, you won't compare yourself to other people. And another one that could be a sign that you are suffering is like just general unhappiness like day-to-day general like ungratefulness and unhappiness for life. Like what is the point? You know, that sort of thing. So maybe you could look at that if you feel general unhappiness or ungratefulness, like maybe you could be suffering from comparisonitis.
0: Well, I think so many of us, as you said before, we're like that feeling behind really resonates for me because I can hear so many people asking me questions like my friends are doing this and now I feel like I should be, and and even that idea of how our life should look, you talked about that uniqueness, you know, the one in four hundred trillion, was it mm-hmm. like one in four hundred trillion that the right music was playing at the right time, you know, and the right merger of these things that celebrates the very unique being that we are. But we're yet so busy comparing ourselves to other beings, being like, oh, my unique expression is actually supposed to be exactly the same as that person's. And I, when you talk about the book being this invitation into sort of radical self-love, I'm curious, how do I go from, because I'm sure for everyone listening, we have at least some aspects where we're doing this, or some places, if not totally consumed by it, for sure we have some aspects where that's showing up. So how do we go from Okay. I'm suffering from comparisonitis. So where do I, what do I do next?
1: I think the first step is you have to have awareness. You have to be aware that you're actually comparing and take responsibility for that. I think we could we're very quick to point the finger at other people (laughs) and blame other people, but taking responsibility and being really honest with yourself and going, I'm comparing myself to other people. I know when I'm comparing myself. Like the whole, the start of the book, I open the book with a story about comparisonitis where I am comparing myself to a New York Times bestselling author because I'm writing a book at this time. And the opening chapter is is me comparing myself to this New York Times bestseller. And my self-talk is, your book will never be as good as hers. You may as well give up. Don't even bother. And then I get an email from this other girl emailing me. So a follower of mine emailing me and she says, Melissa, I love your work and I want to write a book and I can't stop comparing myself to you. So here I am comparing Mm. myself to this New York times bestseller. She's comparing herself to me. And I had this light bulb moment where I went, we're all just freaking comparing (laughs) ourselves to everybody.
0: You're like, this book is going to be a hit.
1: Yeah, I just my mind was blown. I thought, wow, here I am comparing myself yet other people are comparing themselves to me and it's like this this cycle that just goes round and round. So it made me laugh a little bit because I thought, wow, okay, we really do need to take responsibility. We need to look at this. And so that's the first step is taking radical responsibility for where you're at.
0: Based on the time of year and what's going on in the world, I am all about making sure that my immune system is operating at its best. I want to make sure that it is in tip-top shape so that whatever it might meet, it is able to fight off. And so one of the ways I do that is I use Organifi Immunity. It's 100% organic. It's got 500% of your recommended daily dose of vitamin C, and that vitamin C is sourced from organic cherries. It contains the immune-boosting power of ginger, turmeric, and also zinc. It is gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, vegan, all of those things. And as I said, 100% organic. And it also has a vegan source of D3 from lichen moss, and that provides 1,000 international units of vitamin C, which is 188% of our daily recommended dose. Vitamin D is so important to modulate innate and adaptive immunity. So if you're interested in giving your immune system a boost and a little bit of extra "uh" in order to fight off what might come towards you this season, check out Organify.com slash create the love. You get 20% off anything you order from there. They have such incredible products. I love them as a brand. I love them as a culture. I love them as a company. Go check them out now.
1: Um, the first thing after that I want people to do is to keep your eyes on your own lane. You know, I put those little horse blinkers on. <laughs> and and stay in your own lane because We can look left and we can look right and see what everyone else is doing. But what is the most important thing is that we just stay in our own lane. We don't have to keep up with the Joneses or keep up with the Kardashians or whoever it is that you're comparing (laughs) yourself to. Like, Remember that life is so precious and so sacred and we don't know how long we're here for. We don't know. And we may as well make the most of our precious time here on earth and not waste even one second of it comparing ourselves to anyone else. So, keeping your eyes on your own lane, not comparing yourself or or trying to keep up with whoever it is the Joneses, the Kardashians, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. I think another really important thing is to look at our values like what is important to us. And lots of people in my second book, Open Wide, I have a whole chapter on getting really clear on your core values, because when you know your core values, it's a lot easier to stay in your own lane and to stay on your path. But if you don't know what's important to you, it's going to be a lot easier to get swayed and pulled off your path. So knowing what's important to you, like what are your core values is really such an important piece of letting go and healing from comparisonitis. And I like to kind of go through all the different areas of your life in the book and kind of go, well, what are your values around health? And what are your values around relationships? And what are your beliefs and values around career and work or whatever it is. So that's another thing that can really help you heal from comparisonitis. Another one is not only just staying in your own lane but staying at your own speed. This is the whole thing we we're talking about before about oh I'm behind everyone else's everyone else is going so much faster than me. We need to remember that everything is unfolding the way it's supposed to in the most perfect time. I got married a lot later than my friends. I had my first child, well, pregnant right now, a lot later than all my school friends. So while I'm on my first child, my, my school friends are on their third.
0: Same, same. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm going to have to pump out some twins to even get <laughs> kind of near.
1: Yeah. And, you know, That could have been a recipe for serious comparisonitis and Mm -hmm. feeling behind. They're all getting married in their early 20s. They're all starting to have kids. And here I am writing books and podcasting and traveling the world speaking. But that was what was true for me. That was what was true for me. And that was what I wanted to do. And so I didn't look the speed that I was going and and i'm so glad i didn't um, i mean i compared myself to new york times best selling authors not to my friends who were <laughs> not to my friends who were having babies because that just wasn't in my vortex at that time but just remember to stay in your own lane and go at your own speed there's no you don't just because everyone else is buying houses you don't have to buy a house if it's not true for you right now like maybe you want to backpack and travel around the world Maybe you can't do that right now because of <laughs> coronavirus, but yeah, that maybe that's a goal for you. So they're like a couple of things that I touch on and I dive so much deeper into them in the book, but there, there are a couple of things that can really help you heal your comparisonitis.
0: In that space of staying in your own lane and going at your own speed, I feel like just that alone would be such a healing aspect of separating, like really taking responsibility, but also being the authority over who you are and what you want to be. I I love that correlation of values because, you know, I think so much of us, so many, sorry, so many of us will abandon our own values or not even know what they are and cling to someone else's, or at least try to emulate what they value. And in doing that, I mean, the value of, of integrity to self or commitment to self goes right out the window. And I'm sure that shows up as, anxiety, depression, you know, all the things because there's we become the source of our own self-abandonment. So I'm curious what you what you think about
1: that. 100%. And I think you know, if I had of like looking back when all of my friends were having babies and getting married, that wasn't about like a core value of mine. A core value of mine was building my career at that time mm-hmm. in my twenties. Like that was a huge value of mine. I wanted to write books. I wanted to do all of these things. And so I didn't abandon my values. And I'm so glad that I, that I didn't do that. And it's like you said, it is so important that we, we do this work. Like I, I would love so much, like in high school, in the final year of high school, if there was a whole term or whole semester just dedicated to like, what are your core values in life? like what? Do you
0: imagine? Oh <laughs> The world would be so different. Well, there wouldn't be people working at offices and eight to seven giving their lives to corporations. you know, let's be honest, that wouldn't be happening.
1: Yeah. It's, it's wild. Like I think about it and I've got a 15 year old stepson. So he's in year 10 at the moment. And he's still got, you know, a couple more years, but my husband and I, we say like, we, we want to sit down with him, like maybe in year 11 and 12. And we want to really help him with his core values. Like what is important to you and how do you want to live your life? And is it location freedom, you know, financial freedom and just help him unpack that. Cause they're not going to do that at his school. right? And one an essential know, it,
0: thing to do though. You know, when we look back, I'm like, Oh, relationships, money, purpose, values, like nutrition, worth. No, no, no. We don't need those things till we need them because we don't have them.
1: Exactly. Do you know how I, like, I remember in year 12, we had this big, thick book. Like it was like, you know, this thick and our careers counselor gave us all one and they plonked it in front of us and they said, pick what u- university degree you want to do
0: that was me too. It's like,
1: I was like, what do you mean? And then like, I literally no, they said, go through and highlight what you would want to do, what course or, or, you know, where you want to go. And I remember going in there and I was like, "Mm, (laughs) okay. I remember highlighting interior designer and like, cause I was like, that sounds cool. I was like interior decorator. I was like, yeah, let that, you know, I'm highlighting this and I'm like, no heart connection whatsoever, no checking in with my core values. And then I applied to go to university because that's what everyone else did. And I applied for a bachelor of business, majoring in marketing because that's what everybody else did. And I got in, but like deep down, I knew I was never going to do it. I instead went and studied performing arts and went to acting college And I loved that, but I think it's so important that we get really clear on our core values like, and go through every area of our life and we just distill what is important to us because then when we have them as our internal GPS, like our North Star, our guiding light, it is so much easier to stay in our own lane. It's so much easier to go at our own speed and not look left and right and see what everyone else is doing because we we know, we know where our ship is pointing. We have the direction, but often it's when we don't know our core values that we start to sway. And this is what I really want to encourage people to do is, and I talk about in the book is really getting clear on those values.
0: Yeah. Well, when you tell your story about getting this book and then picking interior design and then doing acting, I was the exact person that kept the momentum of business majors <laughs> because I remember being like, oh, well, I need to make enough money to take care of a family. So then I'll do a degree in finance. I didn't like finance. I just knew I was good at math. And I did a degree in finance and never did finance ever again. But I was still in the story. So like I inspired by you that you kept deviating, kept choosing self because I didn't I didn't till I got to a place where I was so disconnected from myself relationally that's where it showed up. And then also in my mid early thirties, when I started doing the work I do today, that like the relationship ending was like, Oh wait, what do I actually value? What do I actually want? I had been blindly on the path and someone else's path with comparisonitis and, and feeling no relationship to my own soul. Cause it wasn't living. I was just the guy You know, producing paychecks. And I was a pharmaceutical rep to boot, if we're just going to add another cherry on the top. And I found that too with work, which was when I finally wanted to give birth to what I do today, it was very much so much fear of like, what about people who are psychologists? Or what about this? Like, I can't do this now. Now I got to go back to the place that I was told to go at the beginning where it all started, you know? So, I'm glad you wrote this book because if there was a book like that to be reading when you're 17, 18, that parents were able to say like, hey, here's this book, check it out. So you don't get lost in the sea of desiring to be in, you know, like a lot of people, when they get asked what they want to do, they say influencer. And look, I know. I don't actually personally like the term influencer, but I think like, what are you influencing? Are you influencing things that you value? Are you influencing things that matter to you? And it's not to shame any certain type of influencer, but just like, are you actually aligned with the things you're influencing? Because I find a lot of people just do things for money and fame and forget about themselves and then you wake up totally void from your soul. Based on the time of year and what's going on in the world, I am all about making sure that my immune system is operating at its best. I wanna make sure that it is in tip top shape so that whatever it might meet, it is able to fight off. And so one of the ways I do that is I use Organifi Immunity. It's 100% organic. It's got 500% of your recommended daily dose of vitamin C. And that vitamin C is sourced from organic cherries. It contains the immune boosting power of ginger, turmeric, and also zinc. It is gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, vegan, all of those things. And as I said, 100% organic. And it also has a vegan source of D3 from lichen moss, and that provides 1,000 international units of vitamin C, which is 188% of our daily recommended dose. Vitamin D is so important to modulate innate and adaptive immunity. So if you're interested in giving your immune system a boost and a little bit of extra "uh" in order to fight off what might come towards you this season, check out Organified.com slash create the love. You get 20% off anything you order from there. They have such incredible products. I love them as a brand. I love them as a culture. I love them as a company. Go check them out now.
1: Absolutely. I'm curious to know: were your parents more opinionated about what you did? Because a lot of people do say to me, you know, it's so great that you did follow your. know, your passion, Um, even though I could have definitely, had all of my high school teachers going, Melissa, like, this is a great opportunity. You got the marks to get into the best university in your city to do business and marketing. Like you should do it. You should do it. And my parents have always, and I'm so grateful. They have always never put any pressure on my siblings. And I never, they have never said you need to do this never. And that like is one of i mean <laughs> there was other things that they did that <laughs> that I that I don't really align with but this was definitely one that I <laughs> that I'm very grateful for and that was they just always said to my brother and my sister and I you can do whatever you want and do whatever you want go for it like they mm-hmm. never put any they'll pressure support they'll support us no matter what like whatever makes you happy you do it there was never any pressure there was only love and support. That's amazing. And my brother and my sister and I are all, you know, very successful in what we do. And we all love what we do so much. And so I'm curious, like, did you have parents that were a bit more opinionated on what you did?
0: You know, my, I think what I saw, there was nothing really explicit. Like I'd say explicitly, they might've said, hey, do what you love, we'll support you. But really what I witnessed was my dad did research, he studied heart failure. So he was very much in that, like, you know, go to a research place, go work in the lab. And there wasn't like, he wasn't in a creative space. My mom was in language and teaching and she studied linguistics and she definitely really inspired that You know, and when I will never forget when I wanted to leave pharma to start writing and doing what I do, I remember my dad saying, like, maybe just take like a leave, you know? (laughs) Like and I was thinking to myself at that time, like, I can get a job again in a heartbeat. Like I knew that. I knew I was good at what I did, but I didn't want to anymore. And I could feel like one more month of that thing would cause me to like start to get sick. Like I could just feel that in my body. It was I was at the end. And I remember saying to him, I'm like, dad, that's like saying, I I think I'm going to fail like that. I need this backup. I need to actually jump and not have a backup, you know, the backup being that I can go get a job again, but I didn't want to even face that possibility. So they were not explicitly, or sorry, yeah, they weren't explicitly like, go do anything you want. When I finally did do it, you could tell they were afraid for me, like that I might fail, that people might judge me, that whatever. But they've been supportive throughout, which has been really lovely. I know that's not the truth for most people. It's like leaving a finance job, leaving an accounting job, because there's so much those types, any type of work, like being a doctor or whatever, is so correlated to class and achievement that I think families are often embarrassed or afraid that they'll be perceived as lower class or less than, even though entrepreneurs don't really have a limit on their earning potential as where all occupations generally have limits, which is really interesting. We're not taught that either.
1: Oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's really interesting because I have so many friends that their parents were like, no, you doing this, you have to go to this university and you have to study this. And it's, yeah, it's really fascinating. So, and I talk a lot about parenting in the book too. There's a chapter on parenting. Yeah. Like, and how we can really inspire our children to not compare. And like, there's some great strategies that you can use because it's new for our parents because they didn't grow up. They didn't grow up with, technology like we did. So we right. need some strategies and for the future generations as well.
0: I think it's interesting that we're like, I'm 42 now. And I don't know, how old are you? Is that okay? To I,
1: yeah, yeah, of course. Right. I'm 34. My husband is 41.
0: So you guys then are are familiar with like, what the world was like, having those things introduced. And so we're the last generation to really know what the richness, although we probably thought it was boring the richness Mm -hmm. of life pre-technology or just, you know, TV, things like that to now where you're like, I really feel like there's going to be an analog revolution. Like there's going to be a de-digitaling. I mean, it's already starting. You look at places like Austin, we were laughing the other day talking about Austin, Texas, about how like I rented an Airbnb there and it had a record player in it. And I felt really like, This is what we need to get back to, like feeling things, you know, being within our bodies. And it's so easy to not be in your body when you're being pulled to so much. I mean, I get it, too. It's like you open up social media and there's so much information there. There's so much stimulus of like bodies and nudity. And, you know, it's so easy for our biology to be pulled away and then to feel worse about ourselves because we don't have whatever we're looking at.
1: Totally. We're exposed to more information in a day than someone 40 years ago was exposed to in their whole lifetime. Like there's just so much content. That's there's crazy. So, I know so much coming in, like it's just like in, 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 in. And it's overwhelming for a lot of people like, you know, it's showing in the anxiety, in the depression, in the, the all Suicide It's
0: bananas. And you know, like now with lockdowns, which is a whole other subject we don't need to get into the details on, but the consequences of it are Disastrous and and we all know that, although we don't want to talk about it, which is really ironic to me, which again perpetuates the very th- problems that we continue to be having. We don't want to talk about things that we know are benefiting us and doing things for us, but we also know have real toxic implications. You know, it's kind of like the idea that GMOs like are are oh well, this is going to help feed the planet. It's like, yeah, what else is it doing? You know, we don't want to talk about it.
1: Exactly. But we need to, we need to look at it.
0: Well, we must. And I think in this conversation, like comparisonitis, which is a great term, by the way, is so rampant and so unidentified and so prevalent in each one of our ways of being that we're not even in ourselves because we're in the space between ourselves and another, like we're not fully embodied and we're also not them. So we're living in this liminal space where we're not connected to anything. And then we feel like life is empty. It's like, yeah, because you're in your body's in a void. And so how do I, you know, like what are some techniques or some processes that can help, you know, me, everyone listening, heal from from this?
1: I think that is such a good point. We're like in this limbo dancing between two worlds, meditation for me has been an absolute game changer and coming back to the present moment and being in the present moment. I think, you know, when we're comparing, we're in our head, which means we're in the future or in the past. We're thinking about something that happened over here or something that we saw in the past over there. I think it's so important that. We cultivate some sort of meditation practice and body awareness, whether that's through breath work or something like that. I also think we need to really be intentional with our devices and take time away from them. Do digital detoxes and go for walks without your phone and do little things like that each day that. Just help you come into your body, get out into nature, dance, move your body, do yoga, whatever it is. But I mean, for me, the the most powerful thing has been meditation and getting in nature and movement and taking time away from my device. Like, do not have it in your bedroom while you sleep. You know, just do things that make you forget to look at your phone. Do more things that make you forget to look at your phone. Like, for me, I love that. Yeah. Like going and having a lunch with my girlfriends and realizing that four hours has gone by (laughs) and I have not picked up my phone and I've just been so present and in the moment. And this happened to me on Saturday, the Saturday just gone. I had a beautiful lunch with two of my girlfriends and we were making postnatal products for all of us because we're all pregnant. So we're making some products. Yeah. It was really beautiful. And yeah. Sat there for four hours. And and one of the ladies, her husband came home and she's like, how? he said, how was your day? And I was like, I mean, we've just sat here for four <laughs> hours eating and talking and making, and none of us picked up our phones. Like, it's just magic. That's how and we so, used to live. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, to say that now to like even a teenager- don't pick up your phone for four hours, like they would probably get anxious. Right. So find what I miss,
0: what I miss,
1: what did I miss? Exactly. So find things that really bring you in the now. Like this is, these devices are not real life. They're not real life. And life is going by tremendously fast. And we're going to miss the magic. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite mantras is don't miss the magic. I've got it written in my bathroom. So I open the cabinet of my bathroom and it says, don't miss the magic because every breath, every moment, every second is magic. And when we have our head in our devices, comparing ourselves to everybody else, we are missing the magic of the moment and years will go by and we will think, where did that go? And I don't want anyone to miss it because it's just life is beautiful. And I, I lost a friend to suicide two years ago and another one five years ago. And that has been the biggest wake up call for me and really forced me to be in the moment and to remember the sacredness and the preciousness of life. You know, I think You know, people say to me, "You're always so positive and you're always so happy." And well, that's not entirely true. I'm not (laughs) always so positive and I'm not always so happy, but I do have a different and I have an optimistic outlook on life. And I and I remember not all the time the preciousness and the sacredness. And I think the reason being is because I've had two of my closest friends pass away, and one take her life. And I'm not saying you have to experience that to have that remembering, but You know, you can just remember now that it's finite. We only get one opportunity and it is too precious and too sweet to waste it comparing to anyone else. So we need to remember that and come back to the moment and be in our body and enjoy what is right here. And I mean, I'm speaking to myself too. Like I'm not, I'm still on my journey. I'm talking exactly to myself. I need these (laughs) reminders as well.
0: Yeah me too. I mean hearing you say that I one thing that you said early on that really moved me was the observation of your own experience with pregnancy of like this is a miracle like I am an active miracle constantly every day which I think is such a beautiful recognition of the gift of heart's that beat and you know minds that think and bodies that move that we forget that the very the very miracles are us, you know, and we keep looking out for something that we're going to find, whatever it is on social media, or just in like wanting something different than where we're actually at. And when you can't accept where you're at, you can't actually get where you want to go because you're not standing in the present. You're standing in a, in, in not wanting to acknowledge what's real, like what's actually occurring. And I think when we can, you know, you said one of the steps is awareness and then taking responsibility for it. Yeah, because if you're not taking responsibility for the fact that you are whatever is going on in your life or however you're choosing to behave or do, which again is speaking to myself, not to everyone else, is is then you can't change anything because you're not willing to acknowledge what's real and what's present. So this is a, the imitation of breath work. You mentioned breath work and I'm like, breathwork was one of the most powerful things. I mean, meditation as sort of was the first intro I had to presence and being in the moment, but oh my God, breathwork like blew me wide open. I don't know what your experience has been with breathwork, but.
1: Oh my gosh. I had Wim Hof on my podcast. Oh, good Lord.
0: He's a wild (laughs) dude. dude. He's funny.
1: He's amazing. I want to go to I want to go on one of his retreats one day and just be in the Mm. snow, nude, like not nude, in the swimmers and jumping (laughs) in those lakes with him. I definitely want to do that one day. He is amazing. And breath work is amazing. And even more now that I'm pregnant, because from all the research I have done, and I haven't birthed a baby yet, so I only speaking anecdotally, but from all of the research I've done and from speaking to my friends who have had ecstatic births and empowering births and orgasmic births, the breath is so important. So I have been diving so deep into breath work during this pregnancy and before that, but even more so now. And it is so powerful because a majority of us aren't even breathing. We're breathing these shallow breaths up into our chest. We're not breathing down into our diaphragm and taking these big, beautiful, juicy in and exhalations like Mm. that bring us out of fight or flight. So we're spending so much time in fight or flight because we're breathing just shallow, short, sharp breaths into our chest. But when we breathe really deeply down into the pit of our belly, that, you know, slows our nervous system down and calms our, sorry, calms our nervous system down and slows our heart rate and brings you back into the moment. So cultivating some sort of meditation and breathwork practice is so powerful. I think breathwork is even easier to implement because you can be doing it right now whilst you're listening to Mark and I, you can be, you can do You know, five deep breaths whilst you're driving, whilst you're standing in the line at the post office or the cafe. And that's what I do. Like, whenever I'm standing, there's no like wasted time. You know, when I'm standing at the post office or at the bank or in the queue somewhere, I feel my feet ground into the earth and I visualize roots coming down from my feet into the core of the earth and grounding me into the core of Mother Nature. And I breathe down deep into her. And then I feel that energy come back up through the top and tip of my head and then breathe down to the core of her again. And, you know, I just close my eyes sometimes or I don't. And I just take those opportunities whenever I can to really breathe into my belly. And yeah, if you can do that each day and if you can add in some meditation, like not only are you going to be so much more calm and relaxed? You're going to be a lot more content with your life and in the moment and a lot less likely to compare yourself to other people.
0: So if we're doing meditation, breath work, those types of things, are there any other tips once we get to that sort of presence, you know, and 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 now we're like grounded in the now, how do we continue to heal that comparisonitis?
1: It's a daily commitment.
0: Oh, sweet. Sounds like we're going to be changing our rituals rather than, you know, the outcome. We'll actually be changing the everyday moment.
1: Yeah, it's a daily commitment to yourself. It's a daily commitment to loving yourself unconditionally. It's a daily commitment to you, to being the best version of you. So waking up every morning and recommitting to myself. I have a little photo next to my bed of me when I was about six years old and I turn over and I see her, it's the first thing I see. And I'm like, I've got you today, baby girl. And I've also Mm. got a photo of my scan of of my baby girl inside me.
0: That's cool.
1: And I say to both of them, I've got you both today. I've got you. Don't worry. You know, I'm, I'm here. I'm here to support you and to love you. And sometimes I kiss the photo and my husband just thinks it's the cutest thing ever, (laughs) but I just take that moment, you know, it's just even just a, quick glance to go, I've got you. I've got you today. I've got you, Melissa. I've got you little baby inside. And I commit to you. I commit to being the best version of yourself today and holding you. And I think that's what we all need to do. We need to stop looking for other people to hold us. Yes, it's great to get support, but we need to take care of ourselves and Mm -hmm. hold ourselves and love ourselves. If everyone Just love themselves so much more deeply. We would be in a very different space. We would be experiencing very different things in our world if we all just loved ourselves. And this isn't woo woo. This is like what we, this is the actual work we need to do, like really, you know. And you're not going to love yourself 24 seven and it's all going to be rainbows and butterflies, but it's about just committing, committing to yourself and to doing the work and to unconditional radical self-love
0: is there any specific characteristics or practices you know obviously taking the time to meditate and be present and rooted in in your body and in the ground But is there any other practices or or habits or characteristics that someone can go okay i'm actually because you know comparisonitis we're like i'm not doing the love myself thing right you know and then we're like shooting on ourselves and so how do we sort of know we're on the right path, I guess, or, or, you know, once, once we're beginning.
1: I think another great thing to do at the beginning of the journey is cultivating some sort of gratitude practice. I know it Mm -hmm. sounds really simple, but it can radically shift you from that state of lack to that state of abundance. You know, it can really quickly transform your mood and your state. So I think, yeah, if you don't already have a gratitude practice first thing in the morning even while you're brushing your teeth just thinking about three things you're grateful for or turning to your partner and saying three things you're grateful for or writing it down whatever feels good for you but it's such a simple thing to do that immediately pulls you out of lack and you cannot feel angry and grateful at the same and grateful at the same time you cannot feel depressed and grateful at the same time. So choose gratitude and, and, and watch how that creates more in your life to be grateful for. So when we start, you know, the universe is, it's all energy. And the more we express what we're grateful for, the more the universe will give us more of those things to be grateful for. It's how the, how the world works, how the universe works.
0: This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. I love that. That idea of like what we appreciate appreciates. That if you start to change, like I found that if I'm ever in those ruts where I'm like picking out what's wrong, which our minds are biased to look for negative, they're biased. So we have to, it's like, if you don't do anything with your consciousness, if you don't do anything, your biology will take over and have you as a negative bias, criticizing things, criticizing yourself, especially if you observe that and inherited that. And then being able to, because that practice I found at least in my own experience, and then working with people too previously is the gratitude feels inauthentic at first. And I'm like, yeah, it is. It is. That's good. At least you're mindful of the inauthenticity of being able to feel or like get connected to what gratitude feels like. So in the book, when you go through sort of the, how, what are the daily rituals looking like? After the gratitude practices, what's next?
1: There is beautiful technique that I call in the book called the ACES technique. And this mm-hmm. is like a little technique that helps you feel ACE again. Awesome. All, awesome again. And so I'll talk you through them. ACE stand ACE stands for it's an acronym. So the first one is awareness. You have to become aware of when you're comparing yourself. Like, like I said, like before, that is for all inner transformation awareness is the first step because you don't know what you don't know. Like you need to kind of go, Oh, I'm aware that I'm comparing or, Oh, I'm aware I'm doing this. So awareness is the first step. The second step is choose a different path. Like, what do you want to feel instead? So I'm comparing myself to my friend who's getting married and having kids and and I'm not doing that. Well, how do I want to feel? Like, what are the feelings that I want to feel? I want to feel happy. I want to feel in my body. I want to feel content with where I'm at. So getting clear on what it is that you want to feel. And then the third one, E stands for eliminate the trigger, or you can either exit the situation or exhale. Okay. So let me explain. Eliminate,
0: exit or exhale. Okay. Yeah, please. Yes.
1: Eliminate, exit or exhale. So the first one, eliminate the trigger. So if the trigger is you're constantly on Instagram, seeing all of your friends getting married and having babies, I want you to remove that trigger. And this isn't about spiritual bypassing. This is just about removing the hot iron so that you can heal and do the work. It's like, yeah. I'm telling you take to stop away ta- yes. yeah. take away the wound. Yes. Take away the wound. I'm telling you to stop Touching the hot iron, you know, like stop <laughs> stop burning your hand. Okay. This is not spiritual bypass. Yeah, you're not though. saying
0: iron doesn't exist by removing it. You're saying stop burning your hand so you can actually tend to your hand. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. And why you touch it.
1: Exactly. Okay. Or say it's, you know, you're constantly comparing all of your friends are, you know, you're at a lunch or a dinner and all of them are talking about their boyfriends and their one night stands and Tinder and this date. And maybe that's really triggering you and making you realize that, you know, you, you are single or whatever, and it's triggering something. So maybe you could exit the situation and you could just excuse yourself and go to the bathroom and take a few deep breaths. And then maybe you're in a situation that is seriously making you compare yourself like, and I shared this in the book, because this happened to me where my best friend told me she was pregnant and, and I'd been trying to get pregnant for 18 months and instantly I felt that comparison. Oh my gosh, like, why not me? Like, why isn't mm-hmm. this happening for me? And I can't eliminate the trigger and I can't exit the situation because she's my best friend and she's sitting across the table from me. I can't just like leave. Mm-hmm. So I just had to exhale and take a really deep breath and just come back mm-hmm. to the moment. So that is the third step. So either eliminate the trigger, exit the situation or exhale. And then the fourth one is shift your state. So taking action to change your energy. So this is a really beautiful thing that you can do. So for me in that situation, changing my state, what I did was I took more deep breaths and I kept on breathing deeply. But what you can do to shift the energy is, say you went to the bathroom you know, shaking it out, you know, just Mm -hmm. shaking out your energy. Like Tony Robbins talks a lot about changing your state. Yeah. I've been to one of his
0: events. He's doesn't fuck around. He's like, yo, (laughs) we're doing a jumping up and down marathon as we break you open, which I loved. I thought it was great. No one's falling asleep in Tony Robbins events and they're like 14 hours.
1: I know they're, they're full on and you're dancing and you're screaming and you're jumping and you're fist pumping and you're, it is so high energy. And so this, this fourth step is like shifting your state is really important because once you have shifted that stagnant comparison energy, you can then see clearly again. Like it's, it's that whole, like you can't be angry and grateful at the same time. So we've got to shift our state. Whether, yeah, that's dancing, jumping up and down, diving in the ocean, shaking it out, taking a few deep breaths, whatever it is. But you take yourself through that four-step process, awareness, choosing how you want to feel, eliminate, exit or exhale, and then shifting your state. You're going to come back to your center. And then from there, you can make the choice of how you want to move forward. Do you want to continue to compare yourself to other people and feel crappy or are you ready to move forward? Are you ready to take inspired action? Are you ready to own your brilliance and who you truly are and step into that? And it's it's a choice and everything is a choice and it comes back always to it being our choice. And we can choose inspiring or we can choose uninspiring it comes back to us
0: so you're in this moment of awareness okay so so first one's awareness second one is
1: choosing a different path
0: choosing a different path exiting exhale or sorry eliminating exiting or exhaling and then shift state yes so if we keep this sort of in our back pocket or front pocket we can In that, That's how we start to make active awareness and be in our bodies in the moments of feeling a feeling we don't want to feel that we normally just brush off as being normal. Like we're like, oh yeah, I'll just scroll to something else that will hit my dopamine oxytocin centers, but I won't actually take responsibility for the firing and those things myself. You know, I love this shift. I love this invitation that you're giving people because it's giving a very simple process of moving through and then we ideally, from that perspective, don't pass it on to our children.
1: Totally. And I talk about this in the book as well. Like The most incredible way to influence children is by being the example. You know, Mm -hmm. if they see their parents on their phone, scrolling, comparing themselves, guess what they're going to do? They're going to do exactly the same, no matter, even if you tell them, don't compare yourself What like what I'm doing. They just, they watch, they learn, they observe. And if we don't want them to do that, then we've got to embody that. So if we want to raise, you know, well-adjusted, adaptable, confident, self-aware, overflowing with self-love children, then we have to embody all of those things first.
0: I think if that's the thing that inspires us to finally change or finally take action, or it inspires like you're having a child. And so it's inspiring you to write this book and to explore those things. You know, as you said, you write them for yourself, which is very much the same for my work is I do it for me first comes from a selfish place. And then I'm like, Oh, other people might want to learn this. And, and then by doing that, we're, I always find it's like so interesting what motivates someone you know, to finally get in the present moment. You know, I think like coronavirus, one thing that's been powerful about it is its confrontation. It's forcing us to confront many things, but especially mortality, the possibility of mortality. And even when we're confronted with the possibility of mortality and even a small possibility, we can't even observe a small possibility. We are facing the absolute, you know, possibility. Does that make sense? And then we don't have processes like you're saying, the aces. We get hijacked by our amygdala, which is very much what happens in comparisonitis. You're hijacked by your biology. And then when you're hijacked by your biology, you're not making choices that say, is this in alignment with my values? Is this the kind of life I want to create? Is this what I want to give to future generations or give to them right now because they're watching me do this thing? It's what you're inviting, which I love, is going to transcend every part of their life, because that will be the trigger in a relationship. It'll be the exact same process. Aces. I like that. Aces. are like, hey, can you practice your aces right now? I think you're triggered.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that triggered yeah. me
0: more. Don't tell me to go into my aces.
1: <laughs> yeah, because everyone wants to feel ace. Like I want to feel ace. Like everyone wants to feel ace. And so, yeah, it's a good little technique. And my husband and I talk about it all the time and remind each other of it as well.
0: So is there any other, you know, because I want to be mindful of your time and you've been so generous to give so much of, to share with us what you've shared in your book, which we can obviously dive much deeper into. Is there anything else that you think is really important for us to know?
1: Just want to reiterate how magical and special every single one of you is. Like we're all beautiful, whole beings that have have come here for a reason. And that is to share our heart with the world, whether that's just with our immediate family, or it's, you know, on a global scale on social media, it doesn't matter. But we've come here to share our beautiful uniqueness with others. And we need to remember that. And remember that no one is more special than anyone else. We don't need to compare ourselves to anyone else and just own who you truly are and what lights you up and what makes you inspired and makes you beautifully you like that is the magic. And if everyone just stepped into that and fully owned that it's, we would be in such a different place, such a different place. And I think about my baby girl, like, one of the biggest things, you know, I know as a parent that my role is to help her find her Dharma, find her purpose is to help her do that. It's to not to project my stuff onto her. I am just her guardian in this life. Like I'm just her gut. I'm, I have been blessed with the role of mother for her. And it's my role to just be her guardian and to hold her hand through this life. And when she falls down, offer my hand, not tell her what to do or or what path to go down, it's just to offer my hand to her. And that's what we're all here to do is to find our, our purpose, find our Dharma and to share that with the world and to be the beautiful, unique being that we all are and not look left and right and see what everyone else is doing and just fully embrace our brilliance because we're all magical. Like we are all magical creations, miracles, one in 400 trillion chances that Mm -hmm. you are here and you're here. Like you made it. You, it's just, it's magic.
0: Well, my experience of your work has been that you have done exactly what you said in terms of how you want to parent as a guardian is just sharing and imparting allowing but just like reminding us to stay the path whatever that means and not like hey this path the path that is for me that is for the you listening and i'm so grateful that you've done it once again with this book and in just another extension of your work and i really look forward to seeing what you write and share once this little special being is on the other side of the portal on well, already on the other side of the portal, but you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I'm so excited too. I'm so excited to, to write that next book. Oh, I yeah, bet. With, I bet it's writing itself lessons. right now. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> for sure. For yeah.
1: sure. I'm very excited about that. So Thank you for holding space for me to share and for all the work that you do in the world. You're such a light and I just love and adore you and all the work that you're doing.
0: Well, thank you very much. And for the people listening, where do they, first off, where do they find the book? Where do they find more of you? Where do they, where do they get all the things?
1: Well, you can get the book anywhere just go to comparisonitis.com and then wherever you prefer to order your books from, whether that's Amazon or whatever, Barnes and Noble, whatever you can, There, all the links are there. I've got some epic bonuses when you purchase the book as well. And then my website's Ambrosini.com, And I've got a podcast called the Melissa Ambrosini show. And then I'm on Instagram, Melissa Ambrosini. It's very easy to remember. So come and, connect with me on Instagram. I would love to hear your biggest takeaway from this conversation with Mark and I, like, I would Mm -hmm. love to hear what you got out of this conversation. Yeah. Tag, you know, maybe share it on your story or tag both of us. I would love to hear what really resonated with you. And, um, I will personally respond unless I'm in labor. I may not.
0: (laughs) Yeah, way to add that caveat. I'm happy. What do you mean? You might have a couple hours maybe of time to push. You could push in DM. Totally, totally. But you don't need to be present for the birth. It's just pain. I've I've heard so many cool things about the birthing process and I'm excited to hear your experience, you know, because I'm I'm guessing you'll likely share it.
1: Yes, Um, for sure.
0: Yeah, I love being able to be, to experience something I'll never experience through the words and the eyes of someone who can articulate the human experience well. And you do that. So I look forward to it.
1: Oh, yeah. I can't wait to share it. I'm really excited about it.
0: Well, thank you again for your time. And everyone go check out the book Comparisonitis and check out Melissa Ambrosini and make sure you share with us what you've learned today because the act of healing this is the act of reclamation and, and standing in your own power and, and choosing oneself. So Thanks again for tuning in. Much love.